0: Hello and welcome to the Crack Podcast. CRAC is a creative research and innovation center based at Loughborough University in London and supported by the Arts and Humanities Research Council. You can find us at Crack, that's C R A I C dot, L-B-O-R-O dot, A-C dot UK. We try to promote better understanding of how applied research and innovation is deployed and adopted and undertaken within the creative industries. Today I'm talking to Sarah Ellis, Director of Digital Development at the Royal Shakespeare Company, and who was the lead person on the much acclaimed Dream production, the digital production of Midsummer Night's Dream, which took place during 2021. And with Sarah, I've got um, Professor Andrew Chitty, the Creative Economy Champion for the Arts and Humanities Research Council. I'm going to start, Sarah, with asking you, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us about your role at the Royal Shakespeare Company. And I suppose what I'm particularly keen to get a sense of is how the Royal Shakespeare Company has been evolving and investing in and developing it, it, you know, your role and that, that digital work that, that you've been spearheading.
1: Um, So I'm Sarah Ellis, I'm Director of Digital Development for the Royal Shakespeare Company and I've been Project Director for the Audience of the Future Live Demonstrator, um, Live Performance Demonstrator and I've been at the RSC for about 10 years now and um, the RSC has a, a a really proven track record in history around innovation but whether that's innovating the craft of theatre and and at the time now we're in in the age we're in digital is something that is really um uh part of the company's dna and over that time we've been inquiring how we can have a relation how theatre can have a relationship with the new tools and technologies that are emerging um and my role has emerged through that and new and what new skills and what new people do we need to bring into the company to be a 21st century theatre company um, and so we've embarked on a series of projects probably over the last 10 years and if not more um, that have questioned and used those technologies um, and placed them in the hands of artists and actors to, to experiment effectively um, and we've taken all of that knowledge and learning and now applied that strategically. Um, and that's, that's brought about um, new partnerships and new collaborations with, with companies that the RSC may not have ever worked with before. Um, but effectively, the what we have been doing as a company is um, how do you extend the theatre to making toolkits? Um, using new technology and and now it is definitely how do we use research and development to iterate and innovate holistically within the company so that that is completely integrated for us as a company in everything that we do.
0: That's great thanks well there's lots in there that we should pick up on um, and I'm going to ask in a moment I'm going to ask Andrew to come in in a moment to talk about um, what the particular ambition of the audience, the future live demonstrator, um, uh, uh, well, the demonstrator programme more broadly, was around digital innovation. Um, but I've, a couple of things that struck me there as you you, you were speaking, uh, which we might want to pick up on as well. One is about experimentation. I think the point that um, you're making there is that the way in which the Royal Shakespeare Company has developed a, a it hasn't been about the application of digital as in how do we take what we do and make it digital but actually how do we use digital to experiment with new ways of working and the other point about collaboration despite the fact that you're a big company and you could probably do it all yourselves actually this is about collaboration with other people now the reason why i want to mention that is that i think that um it'd be good if you could just briefly say some say something about dream which was the most important and high profile initiative of uh, the last year and more um which uh, and perhaps say a little bit about that and, and who do your collaborators were and then I'll, what i'll do is i'll ask andrew to sort of take us back to a couple of years ago when the audience the future program started so if that sort of works just remind everybody i suppose what dream was has been tell us a little bit about the experience and then what we'll do is we'll explore it a little bit more in a moment
1: yeah dream was um uh, the, the 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 result of a huge multidisciplinary collaboration of amongst arts organization technology companies and research academics research companies um and it was the audience in the future life performance demonstrator um and i i genuinely believe to innovate you need uh, a Approach because what in what collaboration does is it it provides um, new thinking it challenges existing um, cultural biases and and if you place the the challenge in the middle of that and bring bring the people that are the best in their game and the expertise that they have to offer you can genuinely genuinely make change and look at innovation through a new lens um, often we think uh, regard innovation as let's make something more effective or faster or cheaper. And, and they are great forms of innovation, but I think when you're looking at creativity and you're looking at those tools and sli- through a slightly different lens. Um, Collaboration becomes really interesting because what it also brings in is new audiences. And that's also a key component of what Dream was. The collaboration between the Royal Shakespeare Company but the collaboration with the Manchester International Festival, Marshmallow, Laser Feast and the Philharmonia Orchestra allowed us to engage with audiences each of those companies may have never ordinarily connected with. And one of the best results, I believe, out of... um, the demonstrator was that we we reached, we we reached got 76% new audiences um, with Dream um, by creating something that was unexpected of all of us as singular companies. But by coming together, we were able to um, research and develop new ideas and push ourselves that I think will have impacts over the next five, 10 years in our thinking. So... So those are the aspects of the, the demonstrator that are really crucial around collaboration. But alongside that, you also have the research. And often research either gets used at the beginning to help support what you want to do or as a reflective component of understanding what you did. But having a live dialogue with research and practitioners is absolutely crucial because the research component isn't just about asking a question and giving a series of answers. What research can do, if you place that in the heart of the collaboration model, is it can provoke, disrupt, um, engage, and bring the audience closer to the practice that you're working with. And that was a really successful component of the collaboration also, is that we were able to make a better piece of work working with our fellow research partners and listening to their expertise in the room as well.
0: Okay, let's pick up on all of that. Specifically, so I think applied research uh, and how we work with research partners is certainly a topic we should talk about. I think making your point about multi-partner collaboration, and again it's worth flagging up that as you've just said, that Dream wasn't just Royal Shakespeare Company, it was Manchester International Festival, it was Punch Drunk, it was film Philharmonia Orchestra, you know, it's a whole range of different partners involved, Marshmallow, Laser Feast, and so on. But I'm going to pick up on that first point and bring Andrew in, because you talk about that, amazing 76% new audiences. I mean, so that real focus on new audiences. And it's there, the title, it's, you know, it's what it says on the tin, Andrew, uh, Audience, the Future. That was... Do you want to say a little bit about, you know, let's take us back a little bit, as it were. What were the original objectives of the Audience, the Future programme? And what was it that in the live performance bit, maybe you can say about, you know, the, the way in which the Audience, the Future programme segmented into four areas for the demonstrators and, and, and what you anticipated being the challenges that the live performance demonstrator might try and be trying to overcome?
2: Okay, I can take that. I am probably ought to say who I am as well. Um, so I'm Andrew Chitty. and I'm challenge director for the Audience of the Future program, but I'm also uh, professor of creative industries at uh, uh, Loughborough University, and, you're, and partner with you, Graham, on the uh, uh, Creative Research and Innovation Centre, Crack, um, which is uh, you know trying to bring together people who are interested in 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 the actual um, practice of research and innovation in the creative industries and. In many ways, um, audience of the Future is is providing us with a kind of set of experiments of the ways of doing things. And Sarah's really brilliantly focused on the area, you know, the, the importance of collaboration in this area. And I suppose when we set up uh, Audience of the Future in, um, gosh, four years ago nearly, one of the things we decided was that, that in many ways, since the programme was about... Um, the, not the technology of immersive, uh, you know, this, 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 this bunch of technologies that we largely call immersive, so VR and AR and haptics and uh, simulation, but it was about how the creative industries could ad- d- adopt, deploy these technologies to create new experiences, because that's what it's all about. It's about creating experiences, whether it's from, whether it's from an artistic point of view or actually the creative industries from a commercial point of view it's actually about the experiences that's how you know it's the audiences that we bring to the work that is actually the driver of kind of economic effects of, of this kind of innovation so one of the things we decided to do was devote pretty much half of the project to four big collaborations four big which we call demonstrator programs and we looked at areas where um Different areas within the within within the creative industries where there looked to be a real opportunity for these technologies, but also where there was a level of already existing experimentation and knowledge, but what we might call sub scale. So the idea of the demonstrators was to take areas, bring these big collaborations together, and we did you know moving image, um, we did uh, Vista Experience, uh, we did. Um, sports broadcasting but actually became esports and of course we did performance um so within those four areas to bring collaborations together that could really try to move the dialogue or change the state of the art in three particular ways so one was in the was 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 in the creative aspect to to make experiences that pushed creative expression to uh create new experiences and, op- and in many cases up until the point of audience in the future most deployments of immersive technologies were, were as as experimental marketing for something else. So it's trying to create these kind of kind of quite um, large scale mainstream expressions uh, of the cutting edge of these technologies. The other area was to d- was to push the technologies further themselves. Uh, but the third area was 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 really around the kind of business model going forward. So. Both the experience from the creative point of view, but also to push the audience proposition to create experiences that could become, you know, lead the way, let's say, to to, to viable audience experiences. And I suppose, um, you know, the expectation at the start was was pretty clear: bring a bunch of brilliant people together to explore this area and uh, uh, and create new new things, you know, to provide the resources to these collaborations that could produce new things that address those three areas. I think it's, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. So now it seems really obvious that one of the things that is going on, uh, but I don't think it was as obvious then, is there some degree of convergence around these technologies in both the making of work and the consumption of work. I think one of the things that we perhaps expected at the, at the outset was that that would fall into a particular pattern, which COVID blew out of the water. And I think I think nothing shows the benefit of doing these big demonstrators more than the way the performance demonstrator partnership responded to COVID, and actually not by going retreating backwards, but just by pushing on. So I think I mean it'd be interesting if, if it, I think for, to hear Sarah's views on. What perhaps might have come out of the original project, Son's pandemic, versus what came out of uh, of the actual project with the challenges that threw up. But also, I think, potentially for the sector, a massive leap forward um, compared even to what you might have done otherwise. Although, that again, again,
0: hindsight's wonderful. Maybe we would have taken it to completely different directions. Well, let's do that. I was going to say, let's do that. And it's worth <clears throat> it's worth restating just some what you've just said and sort of to contextualize it a bit, that the original proposition, not just for the live performance demonstrator, but the, all of the demonstrators, of course, were developed pre-pandemic. Yep. And without overstating it, there was a sense of it was about how immersive tools and technologies could be used in the consumption end because everybody was working on the basis that production-wise, nothing is, nothing's going to change. We'll carry on as we are. And of course, what the pandemic did was not only change people's, or, or help our understanding of consumption, it, it, it created all sorts of problems in the production. Because actually, suddenly, those collaborators who were going to get physically into the same building weren't able to do that. So it started a process of rethinking the production process, too. And I think that's quite interesting. That's just a... Is, I mean, yeah, that may be somewhat
2: I, I think were all, both elements were always there. Both elements are always yeah. there. And in fact, they, the, the, I think what became more obvious is, is, I mean, it would be interesting if Sarah agrees with this. I think what became more obvious is they're they're both kind of fundamental. It isn't an either or. I think there's a, I think one of the things we've seen, you know, certainly accelerated by the pandemic is there is a revolution going on in how we make stuff. Uh, and that's, um, but what we then make is also transformed in terms of its, in terms of its
0: consumption. So go on, Sarah, so tell us without, it, it, not so much the detail, but I mean, it'd be, I think it would be interesting to sort of say, here was the original plan. This is what you ended up doing. But to reflect on what Andrew said about actually what you ended up doing was about going deeper and, in, in, and being more experimental about the original plan yeah. in a way.
1: Yeah, and I think something really important, and I think important, an unknown, like like Andrew was saying, an unexpected outcome, but much probably more pervasive than we realised when those challenges were put together, is that in the immersive sector, for example, in this emergent sector that we're seeing, we are building the systems, but also more importantly is that we're building the people that are working in it. And what that moment when the pandemic hit for audience of the future was, this is a bunch of people that are really loyal. This is a bunch of people that know their craft. And this is a bunch of people that can work together to get out of the crisis. That takes, that. what the privilege of having that funding over a significant period of time was, is that actually we're building that But you didn't realise that until a a real, real world challenge came up and that will be something that I will always hold going forward is that our consortium of 14 partners stayed together, it worked together, it dialed up, it dialed down. There were moments where we needed to approach the, the, the challenge like a studio, which is very different to an institutional way of thinking. There were moments where you had to rely on the academic partners. Do you know what I mean? And there were moments where the technology partners were in crisis also that that ecosystem of talent and that ecosystem of um the sector building i think is a piece of work in itself an audience of the future across the board whether that's clusters or whether that's the demonstrator projects that's what's being built and that's visionary and i think that that's absolutely essential so in some ways the product that's coming out of it is less relevant what's more relevant is what are the cultures and systems and structures and skills and talent pipelines and technology pipelines what are they are to make that so retrospectively we had to be more audacious more um more innovative to to move our pivot ourselves to the space we needed to get to and I saw nothing but huge huge talent and problem solving and and pressure and tension but within that that's how the life performance sector thrives because it actually deals with that every day so so for me that that was um a very powerful sort of outcome of this is what we thought we were going to do and then every and we thought what we were doing was quite you know, innovative already within the context. It was, a, we were gonna take over a shopping center. We created a a whole brand new narrative. There were ways you could connect online. Um, It was using devices. It was using all the real technologies that we signed up to. But again, you go back to audience for the future, um, this innov- innovation, and also when you look at production, is about your audience and where they are, and how you how you connect with them. Particularly on large scale work, I think is super important, and also building those future commercial models. It's not enough to go, I like this technology, I like this idea, I want to do it. There has to be a sort of strategic business slash artistic um, vision and why. And um, and I think so pivoting from a what would have been the most COVIDly inappropriate show ever um, in-person experience to an online experience. I think we learned more about ourselves and we also learned more about our audiences as a result. Um, And also the work genuinely challenged because it was, um, it was, yeah, it was so... um, it didn't have time to think itself out of the audacity of it. It had to move quick. It had to get out there. And sometimes, in uh, you know, with R and D, you can be in an R and D space forever, and you can overthink it, and it doesn't get out there in the real world. And that's always that's always the biggest challenge, I believe, in these structures um, is pushing to um to production which which involves actually a different team as well so we had to bring in people that we hadn't worked with before and we were working with virtually some of whom we never met in person um so that was also interesting to to keep to welcome new people into the into the team but I I think that the product is only half story in audience of the future I think for every sort of Still, success that you see externally, there were a hundred more behind the scenes. Definitely,
0: that's great. And I mean, I think what's really neat about what you've done, and we can reference this, is you've created a site, of course, where you've started to collect together all of that learning. And I think it's really interesting because I know from talking to colleagues that the experience of sitting down, I think, towards the end of an extended period of lockdown in 2021, when we were all tired and exhausted, um, dream. Was shown online, and and I know, coll- and you know, the feedback online and the the the, the 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 audience research you collected was that everybody sort of was just so absorbed and excited by it because we saw that it was the outcome of a process of collaboration in real time. During lockdown, but also it was an experience that you then shared with everybody who had been coming to the end of that exhausting, frustrating period of lockdown. But what's great hearing what you're saying is that that's um, part of the story. Actually, it's the ecosystem, and it's all the learning that you've gathered, and the the networks, and the and the skill sets that have been um, developed that are are the real products, the outcomes, as it were
1: why the findings website findings of the future of life performance website after the reflective moment I think on any project in the future that's six months after you've delivered and just calibrating and reflecting and we always said um between us all we set up a structure which was every artistic organization keeps their own IP every researcher keeps their you know everyone gets what they need to get from it. But it is a privilege to receive this level of investment. So you have to share your learnings. It's as simple as that. To create the culture of sharing, there is nothing proprietorial about the knowledge here, um, and the knowledge is really important to share. Otherwise, we are oh, we're not going to move forward. We're not going to. We will always be an emerging industry, and in to be quite frank, we need to become an established um, industry, um, and that's going to take another five, ten years, I'm sure, and more emergent. Um, ideas will come through that but um, I think that culture is really important because people are more generous than expected and also people have set up their own um, future collaborations together um we're seeing punch drunk and it media work together we're seeing um manchester international collaborate with marshmallow laser feast we're seeing lots of university of portsmouth are taking on a lot of artists that can independent artists that want to work in this space that's all legacy from audience of the future because we've shared our networks and we've shared our um because we know that that no one company can solve or monopolize do you know what i mean the, the 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 space that we occupy. Um, but i think I think in terms of um the shared learnings, what it does is that it means um we've done that piece of work, we don't need to do that piece of work again. and if we were to do another dream also dream hit moment when everyone was in lockdown where they needed that piece of work done in that particular way if you were rethinking what you'd do next it wouldn't be the same structure it wouldn't be the st- you take all the learnings from it but it wouldn't be dreaming the same way so that's also the other thing about arts organization is and, and Andrew referenced it before us gauging the temperature and innovation is about changing the temperature and that's the interesting thing. And you have to gauge with your audiences where they're at, what they need and, and how that will land. And that's a really tough one to, that's a, that's quite a tough one to work out. And you've got to really think about that um, and who needs to be part of that that construct because it's not always everybody.
0: I think what you've highlighted there is the importance of, I mean, you've, you've already started doing it, as you say, is the disseminating the learning and making sure that the learning well, you've already said that the the impact, the outcome is already more than just the performance or the, the product at the end. The, it, it's, it's the associated activity, the, the collaborations, and it's really important to keep that going and keep supporting that. Andrew, I'm interested in from a UKRI perspective, is it worth reflecting for a moment on, you know, the extent to which that marries with the original objectives? I mean, because I remember, I remember at the beginning we talked about well, you, I remember you saying very um Publicly almost, we're funding four big demonstrators, and one of them will fail, you know, because it because it was about that was about communicating the message that this isn't about creating four brilliant pieces. This is about the learning that we get from trying to create four amazing big pieces, you know. But and so I think it's worth it might it's worth sort of reminding us, as it were, what we were trying to achieve in terms of yes, it's building an ecosystem, yes, it's building a skill set, but actually. How are we capturing well, what were the learnings we were trying to capture, and how are we going to capture that and and ensure that those are shared?
2: Well, I think uh, you know a step back far enough, and this is this was this is all pretty new uh, unprecedented stuff, so trying to you know creating well resourced research and innovation programs in the creative industries is a pretty new thing um so so there was a lot of experiments uh you know i did at the start right, emphasise the riskiness of it because um i i think we wanted to empower people to you know to follow their noses on it to experiment and there's a degree in risk in that and you know as it happens none of the four none of the four big projects failed in fact we had a very low failure rate I do wonder if we might have had a higher failure rate if the pandemic hadn't happened in some ways, because it opened up a new way of, of pushing things pushing things further forward. Um, and in a way, taking away the risk because the 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 challenges of both working during the pandemic but also reaching audiences in the pandemic were a whole new field. So that so so what was success and what was failure got a bit kind of messed up. So but I think one of the most important things that really, really chimes with what what the original intention were, although we may not have articulated it quite as well as, as Sarah just had, is this thing about people and systems. Um, I think be, this idea that, that we we were working with these four program big projects that were in particular communities, or albeit often drawing together very diverse collaborators, um, I think. The performance demonstrator, particularly raised, and I'd be interested to hear what Sarah thinks this is too. So, one of the things about collaborations between technology and uh, you know and performance or creativity is that it's always been posed as that there's you know it's it's, that inevitably the way to do this is a collaboration between technologists and 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 performance companies. I think what. Dream and and the wider performance demonstrator suggested is actually for live performance. Um, the future of live performance. What you need is to build build people with you build a wider toolkit and group of people a new a new kind of creative workforce that know how to operate that toolkit. It's not just about people from the game sector coming in or people from you know screen or movies coming in and saying, well, we know how to do this and you need to incorporate it in your practice. It's about the next generation of theatre makers being able to think of engines that drive plays, engines that drive performance that are embodied in technology, and that being part of future training. So whether it's systems, I mean, I think, you know, Dream created show control systems that didn't exist before by integrating different bits of technology because you had to make a show and the only way to do that was to really glue these things together with something. But there's, so I think there's a lot of that. And I think the real challenge is how do we continue that? Because what, what, what the performance demonstration has done is opened up a whole new field for a body like UKRI to support with obvious impacts and outcomes, as you would hope for from research, really tangible ones that engage have the massive advantage unlike quantum computing or some you know of engaging the public in this so this innovation is consumable and understandable by the public but i think when sarah says people you know people and craft within the community the systems that they can build and how they engage with the audience i think that's probably a better expression of what we intended than we probably said at the
0: outset Yeah, I think that's quite powerful. Actually, people and systems, as it were, not so much. I'm
2: not saying that. I do think there is a role. I do think we were right to say with these demonstrators that. So one of the things we did say loud at the start was that there has to be publicly engaging experiences out of this, and I think we're right to say that. Um, But I think again, Sarah puts it right: is that that goal goal catalyzes and mobilizes everybody, and there's no better bunch of people than. Theatre practitioners for that because you know in the end there the has to be a show so so it wasn't like a research partnership where well, it was um, uh, but you know there the were strands of research that were being uh, pursued in a in a kind of decontextualized way I think it was right to give that but it's also right to say that the most important outcomes weren't the manifestation of, of, of that performance itself but what was learned along the way
1: and that's the really that's the really interesting tension which I think is um, which is crucial for us going forward, which is um, anything that gets out there in the real world has to work yeah. and the research and development is effectively about experimentation and failure and testing that. but when you're dealing with a paying audience or any audience whether they're paying or not, that contract between the artist and audience is absolutely crucial about that, that that holding that space and so, what the find what the reflective work does and the findings of the future of life performance and the work with our researchers and also breaking down the demonstrator and breaking down we broke down the structure of the project so we could test different technologies to see whether we could put them in the demonstrate that was a it's also the structuring of the research and development because what you don't want is the panic of Oh, it doesn't quite you can't say to an audience, yeah, we wanted it to be like that, but it wasn't quite ready to do that. That doesn't work. And you also you lose you lose a really valuable piece of data if your audience loses, don't doesn't engage. Um, because they also tell you what they think and how you can take that into your next phase of research and development. So for example. From my perspective, learning from our audiences how much they wanted to um, engage, but how intergen- how generationally that was different, how um, intergenerational work or audience work is so crucial for us to run a commercial model is hugely important. So it's also about how we look at the success and failure. Why, what's the purpose of a demonstrator? What's its purpose is to get insight back, back from the R&D so, we can move that forward. But we've got to keep that strand of innovation and testing because there are emergent technologies that will be ready in two, five years' time. And we don't want them to come at this great surprise to us when they are ready. We want to have had a, actually an input and a say on how those technologies can evolve. Um, so, it is that cycle of um, influence as well. Um, and I,
2: I think that's perhaps the most important message for an organization like UKRI because that that sounds like research in other fields. You know, so actually sometimes sometimes we think about the work that we do in the creative industries as special and different, but actually sometimes it's useful to draw the commonality so that people can understand it. So this iterative cycle, this uh, 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 of testing and retesting and evolving new ideas and concepts and platforms uh, allied with, a, as you say, Progression in technology that you don't want to be a surprise. So what we need, what UKRI needs to do, is to continue to support this ongoing engagement between the creative industries and, the, and these technologies, because the outcomes are very significant. Because this, you know, these are these are important. You know, the, the the live performance sector for the UK is a hugely important sector. I mean, battered or challenged in many ways by COVID. You know, even as we speak now, shows are coming up and going down, and you know, it's it's it's, it's tough stuff. But but this, this isn't going to get any less. This engagement between these technologies, the potential they offer, you know, the way I think, Sarah, that in the performance demonstration, you know, for years performance companies, particularly, you know, possibly even the RSC, have been concerned: how do you engage new audiences? And suddenly doing this stuff you've got majority of completely new audiences. You know, they're perhaps defined by attitude more than age, by their approach to exploration or whatever. Um, so actually there's the answer to a lot of the institutional challenges um, that, that, that organisations, whether it be theatre companies, whether it be museums, around the evolving their audiences come from this engagement with tech, between technology and craft. I think it's another point that you're always very important to raise is, there will be new craft skills that come out of this, which are just part of how we make things. And I
1: think, there'll be new. I, I think there could be new. It could be new forms.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, let's go, let's go there. So let's last five minutes. I mean, by the way, I think what you just said, Sarah, is a really eloquent, really eloquent summary of what um, UKRI-supported innovation should be about. You know, that notion of creating something that tests what we might what might become mainstream in the future but might not it's not about creating a product it's about creating a space in which we can test what we do with the technology and how we start to apply it and i think that was really really good and i'm going to capture that and make sure that's on the the cover of this podcast when it goes out so um let's look at okay so what do we do next not so much well partly what what does the sector do but actually what what are you planning to do sarah in terms of taking the learning from this um, if you had the opportunity and funding to do so, where might you go? Not necessarily Royal Shakespeare Company, but as a sector, what, what are the challenges the sector ought to be taking on, having learnt from this process? What might you do next?
1: I think the challenge for the sector or the sectors that we work in is um, generosity in building. I think that we've had a huge amount of um support over the past few years from these programs to build um but we're not quite there yet Um, but we have a confidence and we have a knowledge base that is really fundamental uh, and has made significant um foundations for for what we need to do next but we need to some might say i would yeah obviously say this but we need to go bigger we need to go broader we need to also take a beat, a really honest beat around what's been successful and what hasn't and what needs to change. So we don't just sleepwalk into another you know I mean, series of um, work without really rigorously testing, if you know what I mean. Where it's a bit like what the pandemic did to us where do we need to pivot where do we need to continue what we've done really well but where would we pivot and I don't mean that from a negative perspective I just think with R&D that you have to constantly ask that question like that's the culture in which R&D works best is constant step forward do step back look check on what that is um I think that we need to broaden the um diversity of the skills and talent and people we're working with i think that we might need to look at like andrew's saying it's not just okay to go to the games industry and bring that in i think we really need to look more broadly about the sectors that we're we're working with and how we can um, maybe look at um, other other forms and other sectors that might broaden our thinking um, and i think that we need another series of demonstration we need a new north star effectively we need a new north star of of challenges that are difficult um and we need some um we need people to start scratching their heads rather than sit back and go well that's how we do it now that's what I'm I suppose I'm I'm really challenging when I talk about let's reflect of what's worked and what hasn't is not to assume just doing the same thing again but do you know I mean is going to build an audience we need to really again check the temperature and change the temperature because that's what R&D does brilliantly and in order to do that I think we we have to say to bodies such as UKRI you've done so much amazing work and support to get us there but we're not this is the start this is this is what this is chapter one this is not this is not the the epilogue that we're dealing with we've got and also we have so much potential but it's not what we think it is right now it's broader and the world's changing and the world will change pretty quickly yeah. that wasn't a direct answer but
0: listen that's yeah. that was a good, good good place to end though I don't know unless yeah Andrew's nodding. that was me Graham Hitchin talking to Sarah Ellis from the Royal Shakespeare Company and Professor Andrew Chitty, the Creative Economy Champion for the Arts and Humanities Research Council and Professor at Loughborough University London.